time to go big or go home with the division manager of primary residential mortgage in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Now, here's the entrepreneur and mortgage extraordinaire himself, James Harper. What would your mama say? Go big or go home. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to this week's podcast of Go Big or Go Home. I'm James Harper, and as always, we love to hear all of our listeners tuning in and hearing more about how you can go big or go home. We are coming to you from the secret headquarters in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and my good friend on here, Carl White, is joining us today, and he uses that segue in all of his podcasts, and so I kind of stole it from him. Uh, but I love that. The secret headquarters of Hendersonville, Tennessee. Hendersonville, Tennessee, And we're excited to get things going for you today and help get you motivated and into a better place in life. And, and I love, I love uh, having guests on the show similar to our guest today uh, because, man, he brings a lot of inspiration to me. I'm uh, personally involved in his his Freedom uh, Loan Officer uh, Freedom Club coaching program. And just get a little background on on Carl before he comes on and starts uh, sharing his story and sharing what he has to offer. Uh, Carl White is a mortgage branch manager of one of the top branches in America today. His podcast, Loan Officer Freedom, is the number one podcast uh, for loan officers in North America. He has the largest Facebook fan page for all LOs in all of Facebook, which I think is pretty amazing, and has the most recommendations in LinkedIn of anybody else in the entire mortgage industry, all while running one of the most successful mortgage marketing training programs in the U.S. for top producing loan officers, and teaches his uh, daily strategies in uh, to loan officers, uh, and even in his own branch today. And that's what I think is simply amazing that he has uh, been so gracious to share his uh, ability to uh, help others. And it started out, I'm sure, very small and, and has gotten very large. Um, I'm very thankful to be a part of his uh, loan officer freedom program. And it's certainly changed my personal business around. And I will uh, be forever grateful for Carl White. And so without further ado, I want to introduce Carl White to our show. And thank you for coming on. I know you're a busy man, and we, uh, we just really love having you today. Well, I appreciate it, brother. It's an honor to be here. And first of all, you know, everybody always says that. Dude, I, they say, Carl, look, I know you're busy. I am not busy. Like, I am, I am not busy, you know, because I've always thought, and, and I know this isn't our topic today, but, you know, busy is the, is the enemy of production, and uh, so I, I go to uh, great effort to uh, to not be busy. So um, so anyway, but, but it's a it's an honor to be here, James. Really, and I think that's a, a very important topic that we'll obviously hit on a little bit later because I am a big proponent of that. Uh, it's and I don't want to uh, get into some of the, the specifics of my personal business, but I have a literally a satellite branch that I guarantee you. Uh, one of the loan officers there probably works uh, 
if not one and a half, almost two times as much as I do and has the exact same production. Now I'm not here to say that that's good or bad. It's just that I feel like my time management and my utilization of time and putting the people in the right places has helped me get to a place to where I can have more freedom in my life. And obviously thus the name of your, of your uh, coaching program. So, uh, but Hey, let's rewind the clock a little bit. Let's hear a little bit more about what Carl has done in your past life, in your past chapters. Uh, because I always think it's interesting. So one of the things I always like to know is how were you as a kid um, growing up? What inspired you? What did, what were you one of these little uh, small entrepreneurs that like to uh, dive into a lot of different things from mowing grass to uh, selling, uh, you know, cheese and sausage for your uh, uh junior high school or uh, newspaper routes, what, what inspired you growing up? Man, I'd like to tell you, I have this great story about how I uh, sold newspapers and became the number, number one uh, newspaper boy in my area, but uh, none of that's true. So, um, man, I, I tell you, I just, honest to gosh, James, I'm just kind of grooving through life, man. I mean, truth be known. So it's uh, uh, nothing special. Grew up in a little small town, uh, Zephyr Hills, um, uh, in, uh, uh, central Florida, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's grown up. That was, you know, 50 years ago. So it's, uh, it's, it's grown up since then, but, uh, just a small town and, um, man, just like every other kid, I had a, I had a lemonade stand here and there a couple times and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, just nothing special, man. I just, I just always wanted, um, I just always wanted something like I always wanted more. Um, I wanted, I always you think wanted that comes from the, the small hometown feel that you just feel like that you felt like you just needed to, uh, you know, I come from a small hometown as well. And I just knew there was always a, a calling for me to do something bigger. I didn't know what it was. Uh, I had a little bit different story than you because I was always involved in trying to make money. Um, yeah. but, uh, but there's always something that, sparks you at some age that made you say, Hey, you know, I, I know there's a bigger world out there and I want something more for myself and for my family and, and what have you. Sometimes there's that yeah. moment. So see, I'm, I'm much more shallow than you, James. I'm, and, yeah. uh, so, okay. so I, you know, I honestly think, uh, gosh, uh, you know, the only thing I can think of is, um, uh, you know, back then, you, you know, you had to have money. If you, if you want to take the girl out to the movie, uh, you had to have a little bit of cash in, in your pocket, you know, to be able to buy the movie, the popcorn and the, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the Snickers bar or whatever at the, uh, at the theater. So, you know, probably, um, I, and I say that actually not joking that uh, one of my, uh, uh, back when I was in high school, before I, let, uh, I met the lovely Mrs. White, uh, I was dating this girl and her mother was a was the principal of a school. And I thought, all right, I, I, my dad taught me long ago. If you want to, you know, if you want to, if you want to, uh, meet the, you know, if you want to get, uh, you know, date the girl, you better, better, uh, get along with mom, you know, and, and dad. And, uh, mm -hmm. so as, as shallow as that might sound, I think that had a, a big part of, uh, of, of, of me deciding to do something cause, uh, um, yeah. So I, so man, where I grew up, man, it was, uh, it was interesting, man. Everybody was either pig farmers, orange grovers, 
or, uh, or worked at a local egg farm, which is what I did. I worked at the egg farm. And, and, and how uh, long did you do that? I did that for probably about uh, three years. And is truth that, be known, James, I'm high school. Yeah, I, so I started in high school and then did it for about two years after high school. And, um, and, and honest to gosh, man, I mean, it's funny how things work. I might still be there today, uh, but I got fired. Yes. And, uh, so if you put, you put uh, how old was that at the time? I was probably 21, maybe 22, something like that. Say 21. You put 21-year-old Carl with 750,000 eggs, because that's how many eggs we wash today, almost a million <laughs> eggs a day. So you put 21-year-old Carl and 750,000 eggs in the same place, there's going to be some debauchery. And, uh, and, <laughs> and there was. There was. And I, I did a joke that, uh, that I thought was funny. Uh, my boss uh, didn't think it was funny, and he fired me, and it devastated me. And, uh, but, mm. you know, it, uh, it worked out okay, man. It's like, uh, you know, when, when we go through things – Man, one of my favorite people in the whole world is Joe Walsh. So Joe Walsh, uh, in case somebody's not familiar with who he is, uh, he's the lead guitarist for Eagles, for the Eagles, the music group. And when he sobered up about 20 years ago, um, come to find out he's a really smart guy, like really, really super wise. And he has this statement that I just love. And he talks about, you know, we go through life, and we think we're going through these random events that are crashing into each other and mashing into each other and just our lives just in chaotically going through life. And he said, but, you know, if you let things run their course, let some time pass by, you find out it wasn't random at all. It was a finely crafted novel that could be written no other way. And so that day that I got fired from that job, put into a sequence of events that ultimately led James to me be talking with you here today. Mm -hmm. And had I not been fired from that job, almost certainly I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. I'd, I'd have never met James and what a travesty that would have been. So, uh, so it's well, just, you're, you know, you're you daggone right on that front. Yeah. So you just go through life <laughs> and, and these, these, these events happen that you think, Oh dear God, how am I going to, how am I going to get, yeah. how am I going to get out of this mess? And you know, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in that car. I, I think that, um, you know, you, you said a word there that I wrote down and I put in quotation marks and I underwrote and I underlined it about three or four times. It was the word devastated. How many people, how many listeners out there feel devastated right now because mm -hmm. they think the world has come to the end because they love this job. Maybe they invented something. Maybe they got ousted out of their own company. Maybe, maybe they just got fired for some misunderstanding. Maybe they got fired for lack of performance. Whatever the situation may be, that door has closed in whatever opportunity they're in or job they're in, and they're devastated. And they don't know how to get back up on their feet, uh, or they can't see the light through the forest. But probably, I agree with you, Carl, one of the best things that ever happened to me was getting fired from a job. Hmm. And then I even later got ousted out of my own company that I invented a product on, uh, you know, for falling out with my partner. Um, but I was devastated by both of those events. But sometimes God has a way not to get religious, but sometimes God has a way of closing doors. So other ones will open and you can't see what's in that other door 
until one is officially closed. And sometimes it is a favor for you mm. to have someone do that for you to either let you go, make you go a different direction. Yeah. So you can see that vision. Well, you know, you say, you say like, well, gosh, when, when my theater knocked out from under me, like, how do you get back up? It's like, for me, it's like, well, just do the next right thing. Like if I was to get out of this mess, what would be the next right thing to do? Like what, what, you know, really it comes down to like, I'm a reverse engineer guy. So what I always do is I look, all right, here's where I am. Where do I want to be? And I've learned to take the word realistic out of my vocabulary, like screw realistic. Where do I really want to be? Like in, if I was in my perfect utopia or when I'm in my perfect utopia, where am I at? What does that look like? What am I doing? Who am I with? Who am I doing it with? Where am I doing it at? And what am I, you know, just like, what, what do I, what's the end result that I'm looking for? And I go, all right, I want this end result. All right. To get that end result, what's the first thing that has to be done? Like the simple thing, not, you know, like just like break it down to what is the next simple step to make that happen. So like if you used to tell me, James, all right, Carl, I need you to walk to California. I'm here in the in the Tampa Bay area. Carl, I need you to walk to California. I can't even fathom that task. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's much mm -hmm. too big. And, but if you say, all right, Carl, I, I got going to California is too much. Can you give me, can you give me up to the third red light today? About a half mile. Can you give me about a half mile today to the third red? Can you do that? Well, I, I, I can't give you San Francisco, but I, I can give you the third red light. I can do that. <laughs> and then the next day you go, yeah. can you give me three more? Well, yeah, of course I could do three more. Next thing you know, you're in San Francisco. And that's really how it works is just like, where do you, what do you want? I think, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest issue with most people, they don't know what they want or they let the word realistic get in their way and, and they settle for something that, that even when they get there, they're still not going to be happy. And then they get that, that, that to that place that was quote realistic. And they're going, well, wait, th this is no good either. So maybe moving forward doesn't help because I feel no better. But if you, if you like, what do you really, really want? And then you start achieving those things, you know, it, it, it feeds and you want to do it more and more and more and more because it's what you really wanted. So I, the biggest thing is what is the end result that you're actually looking for? And that's a hard thing, man. That's uh, it, it, it's, it's, it, that typically isn't a, a thing that pops right into our head. It takes some serious thought. Like, what do you want? Like, what do you really, really, really want? And yeah, uh, if you, uh, if wisdom you, in that. Like you said, life is, there, there's no do-overs, right? And, and oh. uh, I've heard you say that before. This is, you, you get one chance in this life to be happy. And, uh, and some of us are stuck in some bad relationships. Yeah. Some of us are stuck in some bad environments, some bad uh, work situations. And, you know, this is no practice run. You get one chance in life to be happy. And I think people uh, forget about that. They forget that, man, this, I get one chance, one chance at this moment in time to be happy in this, this time moving forward um, to be happy. And, and I've heard this before uh, from a, a variety of people, and you probably have too. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up mm. and they might be 50 years old. They might be yeah. 60. I've heard my own mother say that. And, mm. um, and it's kind of sad in a way mm -hmm. because either, like you said, they haven't put enough thought into it or they just 
really haven't tried to find those red lights to get to California. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just, what is the end result you're, that you're looking for? Like what's, what is, what is that? Like, um, like one of my favorite questions to ask is, is to say something like, if I was talking to you, James, I'd say, Hey James. So let's say it's a year from today and you reach out and give me a big high. We're at the secret headquarters in Hendersonville and you reach and give me a big high five and you say, Carl, it's been an amazing year. What would have needed to have happened in the past 12 months that you're happy with your progress? And so that question helps us get to the picture of what do we really want? And, uh, and I think figuring that part out is that that's the hard part. Actually getting there is not that hard. It's just figuring out what do I want, you know, what, what, and, and making sure I don't undershoot it. So again, that if I achieve that, and it's not what I really wanted, I still don't find happiness. And, and so I think you have to find, like, what do you want? And a lot of that, and, and, and you know, there's probably a thousand books written about this, is, is, is knowing what your why is. Why, why do you want to get there? Like, why? So I want to make a lot of money. Just say, you know, say we're talking about, which you and I both know that money in itself, money in itself is nothing but an accelerator. You know, if you're, if you're heading to bad things, it'll take you there faster. If you're heading to good things, it'll take you there faster. If you don't know where you're going, it'll just have you mm. chase your tail a little bit faster. That's good. You got to figure out, like, what is your why? why? Like, why do you want to have these things? I want to have a bigger house. Why? Like, what, what, what is that? Like, why, why do you want these things? And once you figure out the why, the how just rises to the surface, as silly as that sounds. And, I, and I'm not a woo-woo guy. I'm not a... Well, just go out and meditate and it'll come. But once you know why you want to do something, the how, the how gets real easy. So what do you think? Um, so let, let's, let's keep on moving forward. What, what got you into the mortgage business or what, or, or did, did the mortgage business find you or did you find the mortgage business? Man, it's, uh, it's like most things in life. I was at a point and in my when life. Did that, when did that start? So this is about 20 years ago. And I was in a different career and I was driving home one day and I didn't like what I was doing was a very respectable uh, uh, profession, but it just, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't for me. Right. And uh, so I was driving home from work and, um, and just not in a good place. And a buddy of mine was in the mortgage business and I passed by his office as I'm driving home from work. And I said to myself, you know, he's always smiling and always, whistling. I knew him from church. He's always smiling and always whistling. Why is that? And so I turned my car around, hit my brakes, turned my car around, pulled into his parking lot of his office, walked inside and uh, asked him what he did for a living. He said, you always seem happy and I'm not in a good place right now. Like, like, what do you do? Cause you seem like you do pretty well. And, uh, and he was a mortgage broker at the time. I didn't know what a mortgage breaker was. I thought he was loaning out his own money. Not that, you know, he uses banks money like you and I do. Mm-hmm. And um, man, I'll, I'll, I remember that day like it was crystal clear. So I, after I found out what he did, I, I said, uh, I'd like to hire you for three days. I want to sit in the corner there and just kind of watch what you do. And he's a friend of mine. So I said, dude, you don't have to hire me. Come, come sit in the corner. So the next day I, uh, I called my work, said I wouldn't be in, went and sat in the corner, watched what he did for about two or three hours. I went, man, this looks like awesome. People are wanting to buy houses and you're helping make it happen. The American dream. And I'm out talking to people. I'm not stuck in an office. And, um, 
man, it's, it's been a good run for the last 20 years, like a real good run. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar situation where, um, you know, I didn't, the, the mortgage business found me. I was literally uh, kind of got downsized severance package. I'm, uh, as you know, an engineer by degree and yep. was in the automotive fast track for years and just continued to be unhappy with, uh, my value and feeling like companies weren't paying me for my value and my experience and, and long and short of it is I just didn't really like the, the industry. And uh, so I got downsized out and, and uh, came back home or came back to Nashville because I was working up in Indiana at the time. And a friend of mine says, man, you'd be great in the mortgage business. And I said, are you kidding me? And he said, yeah, you'd be great. And this was after a few cocktails at a Halloween party and, the next day I think I knew I was paying a hundred dollars and getting my mortgage license and, and did my first loan in 30 days and the rest is history. But what's ironic about that is rewind back several years prior to that, when I was just out of school and I was in between jobs, my mother says, Hey, why don't you go talk to this friend of mine? She has a mortgage business and she goes, I don't really know what it's all about, but you ought to go talk to her. And I went up and sat in their team meeting at the, this real old small office at the top of the stairs. And I sat in there the first day and I was so bored to death. I was so bored to death with what she was talking about, what was even going on. I didn't even know anything about the business. And here I am trying to pick it up. I had no training and I said, mom, I can't do this. So then fast forward back again to the mortgage business when I got in it in 2008 and it was like a, it, it was, everything kind of came full circle. And I was like, well, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm. And, uh, and here I am, you know, 12 years later and, and trying to grow it as big as I possibly can and have big visions. Uh, so when you got in it 20 years ago, uh, what was your, what was your ambition at that point? What was your, your drive at that point? Was that just to be in a happier place? Brother, of where you were, because that's, that was me. Right. So my, my why was to put food on the table and, and to be happy and uh, just not doing what you were doing before. Yeah. Just not doing what I was doing before. And again, it was, it was an honorable profession. I just, I just didn't care for it. And yeah. uh, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So uh, again, I, I, it was, it was, it was more out of desperation and um and it, and it worked out real well. I, it wasn't even about the money back then. It was just like doing something different. And as long as I could feed the family, I was okay with that. Cause I found, you know, even though, you know, life's been pretty good to me and, and things, things, you know, we do real well over here, but uh, man, the things that really bring me the most joy, James don't cost a lot of money. So for me uh, sitting out on the, uh, on the front porch here, holding my wife's hand, having our morning tea, uh, looking over the little lake we have here on the property, well, whether it was a lake or, or go down the hell, you go sit out down at the beach, you know, we're here in Tampa Bay. We go sit out on the beach, it doesn't cost anything, right? You don't even right. have to park, you know, because it's free parking on the beach. And uh, so I, we go out there and sit on the beach and hold hands and, and watch the seagulls. Man, that doesn't cost me a dime. It brings me great joy. And so, you know, so, so the, to me, the finer things in life uh, doesn't cost a lot of money. Now, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. You know, we like to travel. You know, we go to Europe for 30 days uh, every year. This year, we're going to Italy. We're uh, spending uh, awesome. uh, three weeks, actually, this time in Italy. Last year, we went to Norway for a month. And the year before, we went to Germany for a month. So, I enjoy doing that stuff. Don't get me wrong. And, and every time you do one of those, it probably costs, I don't know, probably about 75000 I guess, for, for, you know, for, the, for the trip between airfare and the, and the hotels and everything. So, things, 
so I enjoy that stuff, but honest to gosh, if you say, Carl, you can't do that this year, I'm totally cool, man. I'll go sit out the beach and, and, uh, you know, as long as I'm with the people that I love, I mean, that, that to me, that's everything. So, um, so yeah, well, so the money, the num the money never inspired me as much as, uh, the freedom to spend time in my case with my family and, uh, and enjoy that part of it. Cause growing up, my father worked, um, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And I didn't get a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, uh, having that freedom to spend time with the family, honest to gosh, we could be sitting in a back porch in a, you know, a thousand square foot house. Life is good. I really don't care about that part. So as you, as you progress through, uh, being an originator yeah, and then obviously probably went into some kind of a branch manager position. Yeah. Yeah. How long after a couple of years, a year, two? Uh, no, about a, about a year. So I, I, I got in the business, uh, worked with a, a, a great guy. His name is Dave Hoyt. I'm, I'm forever grateful for him. And, uh, so he kind of taught me, uh, how to tie a knot, so to speak. And, uh, so then a year later I went independent and, 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 uh, and, and pretty much, you know, up until this point, that's how it's been. And so at what point did you say, you know what, I, I want to be this person of interest. I talk about that a lot on our, on our shows okay. here. Um, and I want to, uh, voice, uh, myself to the world the best way I can and, and share uh, all the knowledge that I have and bring people together and, and network and, and take people to a higher level. I mean, you're really the perfect guest that we have for this show, go big or go home because, uh, you inspire others to, uh, obviously it's really geared towards the mortgage industry, but you have really inspired thousands, literally thousands of people, um, uh, over time, over how many ever years you've been doing the freedom club, uh, to make a change in their life and, and give them the tools to be able to do that. I'm a big believer that everybody needs a coach in life. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter whether it's an accountability coach, whether it's a life coach. Um, so what inspired you to take that first jump into, uh, to kind of going out to the masses and sharing how you do the mortgage business? So I've always, uh, I've always enjoyed teaching and early in my life, I actually wanted to be a high school teacher. And, uh, and, 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 and until I found out, and I'm not saying this to be funny, uh, cause I, I, I it's, it's a travesty until I found out what they got paid <laughs> and I went, all right, well, you know, I live here in, in the Palm Harry, Palm Harbor area of Florida and a uh, high school teacher. Um, I don't think they can, they can't live in the, they can't live here, you know, cause they, they, they don't make enough money yeah. uh, to live over here in the beach community. And, uh, so, so really I just always want to be a teacher cause I, you know, the people that's taught me, I have great reverence for them. It's just incredibly grateful for the people that's helped me with my journey. And, and we all look, we all want to make a difference, right? We all want to make a difference and, and we all get called to do it in different ways. And, uh, so I, ju I just always wanted to teach. And so once I figured out that, uh, Hey, I've, I've got a pretty good gig here in, in, in the work that I'm doing, um, and I could help other people do the same thing. It was just a natural progression. So, um, so today I actually, so I'm, I still do two, both parts of the business. So I'm a, I'm an active branch manager in the mortgage world. And, uh, and then I do the teaching part and, um, I actually enjoy the teaching more than the actual, and I love the other part. Don't get me wrong. I do. I, I yeah, love sure. helping, I love helping families, 
But if you say, all right, man, you can only do one or the other car. You got to quit one and you got to quit the other. We, we, I, I love the teaching part. I, I love having, uh, making a difference in people's lives. And So how uh, did you do that? How did you progress into that and say, okay, I'm just going to start teaching other people. Did it start out as a one day seminar? Did a, a one hour, a two hour? How did that start out? It started off with my boss, uh, the, 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 uh, the owner of the company, the mortgage company I worked with. Uh, I became the number one branch out of 336 in a very short period of time. And he said, you know, we're having a, a conference for all of our loan officers, Carl. Why don't you, uh, why don't you teach them a class on like how, what it is that you're doing that made you the number one branch? Said, sure, I'll do that. So I did that. And, um, and at the end, he said, you know, would you like to do that on an ongoing basis? And I, I, I said, well, I, 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 uh, I, I suppose I could do it here and there. And so I did a couple classes, but then when I followed up with the people in the classes, they didn't do anything. Like I gave them the information, they didn't do anything. So I called the owner and uh, I said, uh, I said, man, I, th I think I'm going to stop this. Uh, they're, they're not doing anything. And he said, well, make them put some skin in the game. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, charge them. He said, people won't pay money and then not do it, you know, if you charge enough. And uh, so it was actually his idea. And I asked him if, you know, if he wanted rev share on it. And he said, no, I don't want any rev share. You help them, you know, you help them build up their business. They're happier people and they're more pleasant to work with. And you help my, you know, my loan officer be happier, more pleasant to work with and help even more families move into houses. So the company. And retain them. Yeah. And retain, so everybody wins that way. And uh, so that's kind of how it happened. So none of this stuff was by design. It was all just, that's why, that's why I say I'm not, you know, at the beginning, I, I told, I'm just grooving through life, man. I just, I'm just, I'm receptive. I'm open. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm receptive to opportunities. And um, so have you ever had a coach in your life? Oh yeah, dude. I've always, I, I've ever, ever since, uh, ever since I started to, how do I say this? soon as I started becoming like right before I, as soon as I had the desire to become uber successful, mm -hmm. I hired a, co I hired a coach when I couldn't afford one. Mm. And, uh, I've, I've never gone without one since. So a lot of people think, so, 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 uh, last year I made a uh, little over $4.9 million. Right. So a lot of money, right. A lot of money, especially if you think about where I came from. It's awesome. And, uh, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying it for inspiration that, a lot of people say, Carl, here you are, here you make millions of dollars a year. Why do you have a coach? I said, well, why do you think I make millions of dollars a year? <laughs> like why, you know, and, and have a life and spend time with my family. And it, it and it's, it's because I have, I have people. So I actually have two coaches. And uh, so I have people that help me like get to where I'm going. And I've, and I've changed coaches over the years, you know, cause just like in high school, you had, you have one set of coaches in junior high or middle school, and then another one in high school, and then another one in college, another one pro one, no more or less valuable than the other. Uh, each one was very necessary, but after, after a few, you know, after four or five years, it's like, all right, I think I gleaned that one. I'm ready to go to the next one. And, um, you know my, the, the two I've got now though, I've had for probably the last probably 10 years I've had, I've had the two, two separate they're not they're not they don't work with they don't work together but two separate uh yeah i'm the same way i i obviously you're one of my coaches and then i have a more of a, a macro uh coach that goes across all kinds of everything yeah 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 and uh you know i spend a lot of money a month to, on coaching but you you kind of put chills on my spine when you talked about investing into yourself mm -hmm. um 
right? It's interesting you know, when we go through life, like yeah. say for our kids, and we'll say, oh, I'm going to spend some money so they can get uh, dance coaching. I want to spend some money so they can get some voice coaching. I want to spend some money on putting them through cheer camp or basketball camps or football camps, all these different things we invest into our children to get better at whatever discipline that is. But yet when we grow up, we forget to invest in ourselves. Mm. And so we're, we're okay to spend money on all these other things except for ourselves because we think it's maybe selfish, um, you know, whatever the, the feeling might be. But man, if there's one thing you get out of this show today, listeners, is invest into yourself, whether you do have a coach, whether you go to a seminar for self-help, whether you go to some kind of a church function, uh, marriage counseling, whatever that investment is that keep investing into yourself it pays so much uh two three four fold you know and i uh, think uh i think a lot of it like i was talking to a guy just yesterday i was up in uh, Hunts, huntsville alabama yesterday at a training course there uh, that we held for uh for 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 a company great 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 group of guys and 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 and, and ladies uh but one of the guys said well you know carl i do coaching but man i'm, I'm just too busy I went, dude, I, I didn't say anything, but I'm sitting there going myself, well, that's, that's why you need somebody to help you to get unbusy so that you, can, uh, that you can get more. But you know what I think a lot of it is, though, brother? I think a lot of it is a lot of it is you, you get the success that you think you're worthy of. Mm. You accept the success you think you're worthy of. So me and a buddy of mine, well, I hope it's okay to say this. We can edit it out if it's not. But I, uh, me and a buddy of mine was at a party. And we have, uh, uh, this is out of my area. And we were at a party. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and we, knew this, uh, we knew this lady that, um, um, man, she's just a wonderful person. You know, just beautiful inside and out. Just a real spectacular person. And her husband, not so much. You know, he's just a little bit of a jerk, actually. Maybe a lot of it. <laughs> Maybe a lot of a jerk. Maybe a lot of a jerk. And <laughs> and here's this just wonderful person with just somebody that's just polar opposite not. And we were at a party, and her and her husband walks in, and Ralph and I just kind of looked at each other and shook her head. And like, man. I said, Ralph, what is this? And it happens both ways, both men and women. But, sure. this, you know, this one was a lady. I said, Ralph, what is it that here you have this this wonderful creature, and that that and 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 she's just got a jerk for a husband. What is the attraction there for for her? And Ralph looked at me and said, I'll tell you exactly what it is. We accept the love we think we're worthy of. Mm. And brother, that was a game changer for me because I thought he's exactly right. We accept the love we think we're worthy of. We think we accept the friends that we think we're worthy of. We accept the job that we think we're worthy of. We accept the success that we think we're worthy of. And I think it's just like resetting that clock of what we think we're worthy of. And, and I say this as a humble and grateful person, you know, because, you have, well, I'm worthy of, of this and that. And that. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's like, it's like, so, so I, I have to throw my belief system in this. It's like, you know, for me, it's like, because I'm a child of God, I am worthy not because of what I've done, but, but because of where I came from, I'm, I'm, I'm worthy of, of wondrous things as is everybody. Like everybody's worthy. It's not, 
It's not just me or you, James. Everybody's worthy of this. And I think most people go through life and never realize what they're worthy of. And so they, they, they accept way less than what they could have because they think that's the most, like, like some would say, well, the only reason I make what I make and I don't make what Mark Cuban or Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank makes, because I don't think I'm worthy of their success. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just an ever increasing level of, of acceptance of what we think we're worthy of. And I know that sounds kind of woo woo ish, but uh, man, I'm, I'm just, well, that's totally convinced you know, of that. Yeah. When you talk about go big or go home, that that's one of the fundamental, uh, you know, things that we try to get our listeners to think out of the box on is to get out of that rat race to get out of what you're really saying is a poor man's mentality and poor, not meaning financially, it could be, but just poor man's mentality of, uh, you're thinking of what your worth is, not what it can be. And and you know, I think, I think it's, I think it's self-worth and fear, you know, the fear. And, 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 you know, we have this saying, I know you've heard this a hundred times, probably, you know, we talk about, What's the difference between fear and courage? Fear is peeing in your pants and courage is doing what you need to do with wet pants on. I and, love that. And, and, and what that means is everybody feels fear. It's just the uh, successful, I guess, the successful people feel the fear and do it anyway, right? We, we put our wet pants on and, and just like, like, like I got this saying, always wear black pants. <laughs> you know, so uh, like when I went when I went to this uh, this this training class yesterday and, and was teaching uh, for it, it wasn't a big group. I, I think it was like, I don't know, I'm just guessing it's probably 100 people there or something like that. And, 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 and I've talked to like literally tens of thousands of people over the years, probably like literally probably 100,000 people over the years, literally. Mm-hmm. Every single time I feel fear, I walk in that room, I see those people. You know, and I, I don't actually pee in my pants, but I, I, I pee in my pants. Like, I'm afraid. Like, I hope, I hope they like me. I hope I can convey. I hope I don't stutter. I hope, uh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, you know, just all these fears go through my head. But I grab the microphone and start doing it anyway. And do it anyway. Uh, yeah. And so. Just do it anyway. So you got to know your why. You got to know you're worthy. And you feel the fear and you do it anyway. You got to write small checks to cash big checks. And, and it's all about who you hang out with. So what, what do you, uh, what I always, uh, you know, I think when you look at what motivates people, I mean, being satisfied never motivates being Mm. unsatisfied motivates. Right. Mm. And so, so Mm. when you are, um, uncomfortable, sometimes that will make something dynamic happen when you're comfortable you're more in a static Mm. situation so i've i've shared some of my uncomfortableness right now with my staff i said i'm taking steps that make me sit feel so uncomfortable with our business we have lots of traction going in lots of different ways i'm more uncomfortable now than i've ever been in my life. And I've taken plenty of risk. I've taken plenty of chances. I've fallen several times, but I'm probably the most uncomfortable that I've ever been. And, uh, and they said, well, why, why are you doing it? It's because if you don't feel uncomfortable, you are not gaining any kind of traction. You're not 
pushing your limits on what you can do. Have you ever felt uncomfortable? Dude, I felt uncomfortable right before, right before we started this uh, recording. You know, I felt fear. No, no disrespect to you, of course, yeah. you know, but, but, but I, I felt fear when, uh, when we clicked the uh, on-air button. Mm. And uh, so, yeah. Is it, feel, that, that little person on your we, – We call it little guy on the shoulder. Little, little guy on your shoulder? Yeah. You know, he, he's always barking to me, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, what if you don't have anything to say? Um, so, dude, I feel uncomfortable, you know, uh, uh, the fear – Look, anytime you see somebody doing something, look, everybody feels the fear. Like, everybody. And I've, I've met some pretty, uh, like, I've met a lot of famous people, and I've, 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 I've won, you know, it's just, I've, I've hung out with a lot of really awesome people. Everybody feels the fear. Everybody. Everybody. You think, you, you think somebody goes through it, no, they're just calm and cool and collect. They just, they just put their wet pants on. They put their black pants on and do it anyway. So everybody feels the fear. So, uh so, yeah, man, I, I feel the fear every time I pick up the phone, every time I make a sale, every time I teach a class, every time I walk up to meet a new friend, like always. I'm just, always, you know, it's just not, not that I go through a petrified in life, but, but I have these hesitations just like everybody else. It's just people like you and I, James, we just push through that hesitation, do it anyway. And you know what? If it, uh, you have to be willing to crash and burn. You have to be willing to be that, hey, this might not turn out so, so good. In, in our single days, you go ask a girl for a day, she might say no, right? She might say no. Mm -hmm. we, 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 you know, we go, to, we go to improve ourselves in some way and we ask somebody for something, they might say no. It's okay, right? So you have to be willing to crash and burn uh, or you're not going to get very far. And one of the concepts you, you speak real highly of in one of your program, in your uh, coaching program that really can apply across any any industry or anything, anything sales related or really even uh, uh, job related or interview related or uh, trying to ask for a special part in a play or you just got to ask. And people have so much fear just to ask. Um, and uh, that's one of the things I've been, they, they don't want that rejection. Um, and, but is it, if nobody gets hurt, it's going to be okay. Just ask. And, uh, and you might even get hurt. You might skin your knee. And yeah. my daddy used to tell me, if you don't skin your knees from time to time, you're not running fast enough. Mm. You know, yeah. so, like so it, too. It, it's okay to crash and burn. Just like uh, as we're recording this uh, today, the, uh, the Super Bowl uh, was played uh, uh, not too long ago, right? Mm -hmm. And the Kansas City Chiefs won. And uh, the dude had, I think it was what, two, three interceptions, a quarterback, the winning quarterback. Yes. Yes. Had two or three uh, interceptions, but that's what happens when you throw the ball. When you throw the ball, from time to time, you're going to get an interception, and you have mm -hmm. to be okay with that. And we don't want the interceptions. We don't want something to go wrong. But it, it's things are going to happen. Things are going to go wrong. You're going to have. You're going to. You're going to. You're going to fail at certain items. But you just just like he did. He kept throwing the ball. He kept throwing the ball. He kept at it. He kept at it. And that's you, – you just can't be – you can, you can be afraid of things. You just can't let that fear keep you from actually doing what it is that you want to do, from achieving what you want to achieve. Because then you have the fear of, like, of, of, of living a life where you didn't, you didn't get those things that you wanted to happen. You know, you didn't get to – for you or your family, the things didn't happen – and man, you talk about a fear, brother. That's a fear. Mm -hmm. 
you know, mm. that, that's a, that's a major fear. That is a mind. major fear. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, we, we, as humans, we bury that and we don't want that to come uh, to a head. We don't want to address it. Uh, so we just uh, kind of let it stay dormant. Uh, and we don't want that, that virus of fear to come, to come forward. But man, I'm, I'm telling all our listeners today, if you have not been inspired just a little bit to be okay with uh, tackling that fear. And as we say, getting off the bench, Mm. um, man, there's a lot better things for you in life, uh, out there. Uh, just take a chance, take that first step. You don't have to worry about how you get from Tampa to California. You just have to know how to get to the, through the first uh, few red lights. Yeah. And you'll be surprised how quickly those red lights turn to green and you can get to California, man, that was good. Mm. Um, so, um, listen, Carl, I, we could talk for, for a lot longer. We have, we could tackle many more things and we could keep going on and on. And, and maybe if you don't mind, uh, I'd maybe like to even have you as on a part two, my first ever part two, uh, with Carl White, uh, down the road here a little ways as we, we get more and more into our go big or go home. And to all the listeners out there, I just want to say, um, we have our first, this is my most uncomfortable part. One of my most uncomfortable things I'm doing, I'm putting on our first ever go big or go home event here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, actually at our secret headquarters in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And, uh, it's going to be inspirational speakers like you're hearing today with Carl White and of the like. And uh, we are going to put on a very, very motivational with some energy, some music, some lights and sound and, and really make you go away with uh, some good golden nuggets to move, to move the needle in your life. Mm. So stay tuned for those details of go big or go home event, which is going to be in June of this year. We'll, uh, stand by for the date, but as always, listen to our podcast on on all the major podcast uh, uh, outlets. Uh, go big or go home. Uh, if you want to also see it on our uh, or tune in to our next event, our next podcast event, it'll be two weeks from today. Um, and also, if uh, you would like to visit our website at www.nashvillemortgagelenders.com. You can access our podcast from there as well. So, Carl, man, I appreciate you. I love you like a brother. I know we just keep getting to know each other more and more and more. Can't wait to see you again at the next event that you have. And if you ever want to uh, get a little bit more about Carl's podcast, go ahead and give your shameless plug right now. Uh, so it's um... – so I was trying to think of, uh, so mine is loanofficerfreedom.com, yes. loanofficerfreedom.com. But man, I'd say if you're, uh, you know, if you got some free time, go listen to past episodes of this one right here. Uh, that might actually be a better match for, uh, for, for the audience here because you got some good stuff, James. And I appreciate, it's an honor, uh, honor, uh, honor uh, uh, being a part of your podcast here, brother. And, and I guess my parting shot is, you know, oftentimes, the the short-term pain of effort is often mistakenly perceived to be worse than the long-term pain of failure. Mm. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, that is the predecessor to regrets as time passes. So, uh, so thanks for having me on here, brother. It was an absolute uh, pleasure. And, uh, and, and we'll talk to you next time. All right. Thank you, Carl. And the one last words of wisdom to all our listeners, go get unbusy. You're never too busy to have a coach in life and to take a step to go in the right direction to make it better for you and your family. Have a great day. This is James Harper. Thanks for listening today. Primary Residential Mortgage, Inc., NMLS 3094. James Harper, Division Manager, Primary Residential Mortgage, Hendersonville, Tennessee, NMLS 71317-131, Saundersville Road, Suite 140, Hendersonville, Tennessee, 37075. Primary Residential Mortgage, Inc. is an equal housing lender. Some products and services may not be available in all states. Credit and collateral are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. Programs, rates, terms, and conditions are subject to change and are subject to borrowers qualification.